With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Self-Preservation Society. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of this season's Real Football Cast. As always, I'm your host Dan Tracy and this week we're going to have to do something different because the hot topic in football is that there's no football because of the coronavirus. That means we'll be discussing all the potential ramifications for a season that may or may not come to conclusion. It also means it's time for more ifs, buts and maybes. I don't know what will happen, nor does Carl, nor does Drew, but we're going to try our very best to make sense of it all. More importantly though, we once again have a full house, and that means leading the line this week around the captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, really good then. Um been some, you know, kind of interesting developments over the last week, so I'm, I'm sure we've got some good stuff to get our teeth into. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of uh, news off the pitch, not a lot on it, but there's a little bit coming, so hold your hats ready for that one. And of course, we cannot forget your strike partner either, which of course is Drew. So Drew, you're on the other side of the pond, but how are things with you over there? I'm doing well. The UFC is back. It happened this weekend. Uh, pretty tough waking up at 3 a.m. to watch Korean baseball and football. But hey, you do what you got to do for sports. To me, these are great signs that uh, football is coming back. And so I'm excited about that. I'm glad you just said Korean football because I've got a Kaylee question. So well done. Good, ho- <laughs> good homework, inadvertently. But we'll have some more chat on that later on. So before we do... Let's talk about the social media bits. Otherwise, we'll be talking to the abyss once more. First, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at StanTracy1983. Also, the podcast has its own account, which is at RealFootballPod. And if you want to become a shareholder, of which there are now 250 plus, all you need to do is follow and join our ever-growing Elite Members Club. Now, whether it can keep being elite if it keeps growing, I don't know, but we'll worry about that later. So, you can also find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. If you use that platform, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you like what you hear, leave a review so we move up the league table. And if you're not a fan of all things Apple, you can find me on SoundCloud and Audio Boom, don't forget. Well, the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. And also, a big shout to our content partners, Last Word on football be sure to check out all their excellent written content especially what drew does and what i do once you listen to the show right then it's time to go live and where should we go first unsurprisingly it's project restart and with time running out carl it seems that the premier league have finally listened to the major issue regarding neutral venues however for all the lobbying that they're now set to do they're gonna have an almighty task in bending the uk government's arm yeah i think obviously you know neutral venues was always going to be a real you know a bugbear for everybody wasn't it and as we always say that word integrity um so i think that was one that they were going to have to get because i think that was going to be the biggest stumbling block that most teams wouldn't agree to um and the fact that those have got home games want to play those games in what they consider to be their advantage of being at home um so if they can get that sorted, then I think that's a big roadblock out of the way for a lot of these a lot of these clubs. Um, and then obviously you've just got the battle for making sure that relegation and that's on the table. But if you can get the neutral ground sorted and teams can play at their home venues, then I think that will be a major help towards getting Project Restart up and running. 
Yeah, I mean, as we mentioned last week, there are going to be concessions. and I don't think anyone's really got an issue with behind closed doors. I think, fundamentally, you're going to need that. But once we sort of discuss everything else and, you know, chipping away at that bit and that bit, you thought, hang on, is this really football? So there is, does seem to be a bit of a, a common sense movement starting to prevail. And I think the Premier League have had their arm forced, like say, by the likes of Brighton, Villa, Watford, which we'll get to in a bit. But, Drew, a couple of points, actually, to be honest, there's several. So let's run through them as much as we can. First up, Cole just mentioned relegation, and the FA have said that they're not going to sanction a Premier League without relegation. So though it means the trapdoor is now open, it does at least mean the usual routes in and out of the league are kept intact. So the likes of Leeds could get promoted, and that sort of natural reordering and recalibration each summer will still be in play. Yeah, and you know, the thing I like about this is if we're going to play, if we're going to have the Premier League in whatever capacity, whether it's finishing it in full or if it's going to be some sort of mini tournament or league, then yeah, we should have relegation. If we're going to play it out, then let's play it out and let's have the results. So I like this, that the Premier League is trying to keep that uh, or, well, kind of getting forced into keeping that. My one question, though, is, and I'm not sure if you guys would even know this because I haven't been able to find it, is, like you mentioned, Dan, the FA is not going to sanction it. Well, what are they really going to do? If the Premier League voted... And let's say all 20 teams agreed, no relegation. Can the FA really stop them? I, I believe, technically on paper, the FA submits the teams to Europe or, or to the Champions League and, and Europa League. But I can't imagine the FA is really going to say, you know what? We're not going to let any of you play. And all you know, six or seven clubs would not be participating. So I'm not sure how the FA can really make this demand and really enforce it. Again, I, I don't think it it's not going to make a difference in that the FA and Premier League obviously don't want to go to war with each other. There's no point in this. But I'm just wondering how that's going to happen. If I'm the Premier League, I don't know how much I really think I need to listen to the FA because I think the Premier League really holds all the power in the cards here. And so, again, with that, I like that there's not going to be relegation, but I don't know how the FA is really going to enforce that. I think from an enforcement point of view, you mentioned that the fact that each of the Premier League clubs have a vote and most things, I think all things need to be two-thirds majority, so 14 clubs have to pass it. What makes it a little bit more trickier in this sense is that the FA have what is known as a golden share. And I don't know how much weight that has. I don't know if it supersedes half the shares or half the votes or all that, but I think they still have a say in all the Premier League votes. So it's a bit of a murky one, but you are right. It's like, well, hang on, like, can they go off in a different direction or can you sort of say, well, we don't really need you in this... In Instinct. So it's a bit of a difficult one there, Cole, isn't it? How much weight can the FA throw about in this scenario? Yeah, I think you've also got the the issue there, haven't you? That the FA, I guess, don't want to tread lightly in the sense that what I guess the fear will always be is that there'll be a breakaway league at some point between the European superpowers. And obviously, the more you, if you like, kind of piss off the big clubs, if you like, by if you start voting the way they don't want you to vote then you, you kind of increase in that movement where those teams go, well, actually, do we need to hang around? And that, and let's face it, if you're the Premier League and the FA, um, the minute those big clubs leave and go off and maybe form their own sort of league or tournament or something, what have you really got to sell to the public um, after that? Because you're not going to have this exciting type of Premier League thing anymore where the top sides are in there. You're then just looking at the best of the rest. Um, and let's face it, you know, I, and this is no disrespect to any of the teams, obviously, that are kind of outside of that top five or six. But are, are people going to start paying for Sky subscriptions? And are you going to want to sit down and watch on a regular basis, say, Southampton v Newcastle or Southampton versus... Um, you know, who's with any of the other Watford Burnley, or like that. Yeah. Oh. Is there gonna, yeah, Burnley. <laughs> is there going to be that interest? So I think there's always that fear there that they don't really want to take, you know, they don't really want to upset these big clubs and that too much because, you know, if they decide to pull away, which is always a fear, then you're going to be left with something that's not going to be that attractive. Um, so I think there'll always be that kind of strategic vote in around, well, actually, that's not really annoy these lot too much because if they decide to go because we've upset them, then we're in big trouble. Drew, there's a point about sort of, how should we frame this, routine viewing and habit. Now, if the Premier League sort of continues unabated and unfinished for quite a while and it doesn't sort of go on, 
will there be a drop-off in fans if the spectacle is not as good and not as strong? Say, you know, Cole mentions a European Super League, but if he also consider behind closed doors and all that. Now it's not part of our weekend framework. Will people just sort of think, actually, it has committed so much of my life in the past that it's opened up all this spare time that I never knew I had, and actually I quite like having this spare time. Will we see not all the football fans return back to the promised land once it's back open? I definitely think there will be some more casual fans that may not come back or may not be as serious in in their fandom anymore after this. But I think on the whole, not so much. I mean, if clubs are really worried about, you know, fans and and yes, it's part of it, but really, right, it's it's, it's about the money. I think they're going to be really losing a lot of money when it comes to the next TV deal, right? When it comes to, like Carl said, people, are they really going to pay for Sky Sports, right? Over here in the U.S., a lot of people are cord cutting, and most people stream games, you know, maybe not through the most legal of channels now anyways. Um, so I think that's where really leagues and, and the Premier League in particular with, with the huge TV deal, that's where I think they're going to lose out on a lot of money, and that's where I think they really have to worry is the TV deal is going to be massively lower, I think, and then, of course, that's going to reflect on player contracts because if the club isn't making billions of, of uh, pounds in revenue, then they're not going to be able to pay that out to the players as well. So that's where I think you're going to see a lot more of a change um, as opposed to fans. I think stadiums are still going to be filled pretty much to the max every single match, especially for, for teams in the top tier. And even if you know a European Super League formed and let's say you know the big six – uh, plus Newcastle, maybe <laughs> go into the uh, into the European Super League. I still think, you know, Burnley, Southampton, in the stadium. I think you're still going to have, you know, close to a sellout. And I think all of all of each club's hardcore fans are still going to be watching. Just maybe a few casual fans may not, and especially if it's someone uh, kind of like myself, someone who doesn't live in the UK. I could see them pulling back a little bit, especially if. Uh, Broadcasting times are, you know, at six in the morning or if they're at nine at night, if you're in Asia or something like that. I think the TV aspect is where clubs are really going to have to worry more so than losing fans. I'd just like to offer sincere apologies to Southampton and Burnley fans because they seem to be lumped in this mediocre example <laughs> for the past few weeks. There's, there's lots of other clubs we can pick, but they seem to be getting dogs Hey, someone's got to be the whipping yeah, boy. That's true, that's true. So if you are out there, Southampton and Burnley fans, you've probably switched off by now, but um, I do apologise. But TV, let's stay on that topic, and I'll stay with you, Drew, because another talking point that came out of that was the report that TV broadcasters, both home, being the UK, and abroad, are asking for some money back. So about £340 million as things stand collectively. And it could be a lot more if there's no conclusion to the season. So obviously the circumstances are far from great. But when we talk about a product and the lack thereof, are Sky and BT, for example, within their rights to be asking for a bit of change? Because they're not really getting a return on investment right now. Right now, I don't think so. I mean, I'll just take, you know, BT and Sky, I can't speak on too much into specifics just because we don't have it here in the states um but but i'll kind of give you the the tangential example here yeah. is the broadcaster here nbc sports um they've already started laying off some of their writers they don't have a very prolific uh website and, and writing section it's it's lots of like you know uh small uh beats and everything for certain clubs but even they've had to start lay, laying off writers and it hasn't been that long and you know they're a huge conglomeration i i'm pretty sure they're owned on the, under the same umbrella as Sky Sports. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think BT and Sky are probably looking at the same thing. They're worried. And it's part of its cord cutting. Part of it is, is like Carl mentioned, fans may not uh, renew subscriptions and everything. And right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Sky is um, giving uh, you know subscription packages for free right now because there is no live sports and that's what most people want anyways. So, yeah, I mean, this is a big hit. And I can understand why for the broadcasters, they don't want to pay out for the Premier League, especially because, kind of like you mentioned, in terms of routine um, viewing, this has broken that routine. And so that's why I think a lot of them are saying, well, hey, even if we do have these last you know 90-plus games, I don't know how much money they want to pay to the Premier League for that because it's not the same thing. If there are games going every single day, if they are played at, you know, the non-traditional times, even though everyone at home is at home right now, I think the broadcasters are trying to save money any way they can. This is what I would do, and I haven't really talked about this much either on this show or 
or on my other podcast is if I'm the broadcasters right now, whether in the UK, in the US, or, or any of the other ones, is of course you want the money back. But what I would do is I would go to the table with the Premier League and say, look, we want the rights to put everything online. And I mean everything. Pre-match, post-match, you know, uh, the actual match itself, halftime, everything online. Keep the money or maybe, you know, or the, the Premier League can keep the money or maybe have to give a little bit back. Um, but get the rights to put everything online because that's where it's going right now. A lot of people are streaming already anyways, not just in the U.S., but around the world and, and in the U.K. So I think they really have to take this opportunity to kind of adjust the way that they broadcast um, because they know they're going to start losing money. It's not going to be that return on investment that they think they had. And plus, I don't think that was going to happen anyways as the world is kind of moving away from television. I mean, sports are really the only thing still on TV anyways, right? Movies, comedy, music, everything is online now. And it's about time sports go there. Obviously, BT and Sky can't make as much, as much money that way, which is why they don't want to do it. Um, but that's what I would do if I was Sky and BT because there's definitely – no way they're going to be making a profit, especially because of all the coronavirus stuff now. That's a very good shout, actually. I think the way this is all unfolding, this could be a seismic change, not necessarily the next couple of months, but the way that football is consumed in this country. And that's something we spoke about a few months ago, Drew, but that's a very good topic that we can always come back to in another week. But, Cole, don't go anywhere because I want to talk to you about player contracts. That's been something of a thorny issue, not just for the Premier League, but EFL clubs especially. But if we focus on the Premier League in this one... It looks like it's going to be a lot smoother now because it seems that the clubs have announced that um, players can be deemed in contract until whenever the end of the season may be, as long as that deal is agreed by June 23rd. So I guess that's more of a victory for the Common Sense Brigade. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, if that wasn't in place and you suddenly had players coming out of contract um, at the beginning of June or the middle of June or something and you still had games to play, you could have seen potential farces, couldn't you, where suddenly players are moving around before the end of the season and almost you've had free transfer windows in one season. So I think, again, that's another sensible thing, isn't it? That actually, if you've got a contract that's due to expire, well, hey, look, listen, it wasn't due to expire until the end of this season. So for right now, you can't move until the season is done. Um, and then obviously you're, you're free to go and do what you were going to do before. But if that hadn't been agreed and suddenly you've got players suddenly moving clubs before the end of the season because their contract is up. Again, it just wouldn't have sat right and just would have made the whole thing even more messy. And again, just would have created bad feeling, I think, amongst supporters who suddenly just go, well, there's lots of people questioning why this is even happening in the first place. And the more sort of silly stuff and the madness kind of things that could go on, I think just makes people turn against the idea of it starting. So if you can get it as smooth as possible, it makes sense. And and that's one of the key things to make sure that all those players are at the clubs and should have been at the clubs till the end of the season remain so. And Drew, Danny Rose, he's never too far away from an online lament. In the past 24 hours, that's been Monday in this one, he said that football, in terms of a restart, shouldn't even be spoke about at the moment. I guess that adds more voice to the players' group, although last week we sort of said, how much weight do they actually have as a group? But at the same time, does that also show this restart and project restart, how much of a sensitive issue it actually is? Yeah, I think that's a very good way to, to, point, uh, to put it, is that, yeah, I think on both sides people are very sensitive about this, and, and it makes sense. Look, this is a, a strange time, and, yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, there have been some bad things. You know, people have died. People have gotten severely sick. And so I understand the emotional side of it. But when you look at it objectively, when you look at it statistically, right, Danny Rose is not – and most players are not really at risk, right? A very infinitesimally small group of people get, you know, mild – or I'm sorry, get more than mild symptoms. And even smaller than that are actually getting sick, right? It does happen, of course. Um, but – I think this from Danny Rose is a perfect example of why you don't need to listen to celebrities and athletes talk about, you know, social issues or things like this. You know, I don't know, but I'm going to guess Danny Rose is uh, Danny Rose is not a Rhodes scholar. I'm just going to guess that. Okay. And I don't know how much he's read about the coronavirus. I have no idea. Maybe he has a lot and really knows his stuff. I'm going to guess not because all the statistical data we have, which I admit could be wrong. And in two months, we could be like, wow, all of that was stupid. Like, I don't know. 
But as of right now, all of the data is pointing in the exact opposite direction of what Danny Rose is saying. And, you know, he's putting out an emotional plea. And look, like I said before, if he doesn't want to play, if he doesn't feel scared or he doesn't feel comfortable, he feels scared. That's okay. I understand that. And I would never blame the man for that. I would never ridicule him for that. Then don't play. When the Premier League comes back, he doesn't need to play. I don't think he should get paid either, just like anyone else who chooses not to perform their job. Um, but let everybody else play. If he doesn't want to play, Sergio Aguero, who we've talked about, I think Raheem Sterling came out uh, in the past 24 hours as well. That's fine. They don't have to play. But I don't think their emotional plea should be stopping other players who want to play. And especially, don't forget, not that many Premier League players really make in the millions and millions and millions of pounds, right? How many players at Sheffield United are really just sitting in mansions? Probably not that many. Uh, To go back to Burnley and Southampton, the whipping boys, how many of their players live in mansions? Probably not many. So I think Danny Rose, he's coming from a good place. I truly believe that. His heart is in the right place. I just think he's drawing the exact wrong conclusion for the wrong reasons. And it's just another example of athletes and celebrities speaking out when they most likely don't really have the facts or, you know, or have studied the data that well. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, really. I think, like you say, that's a voice, but there's probably a lot of players that just want to get going again. So you can't really sort of say. I think I think one of the biggest one of the biggest problems in it, though, Dan, is is Danny Rose speaking for the majority. I think one of the biggest things that I still think should be done and and, and you know put in place because whether we like it or not, footballers are humans. Is I'm I'm amazed that there hasn't been a vote of all the players as to who wants to play and who doesn't. Yeah, because if if you if you ask every player to vote, do you want to play? Yes or no? What would happen if the majority came back and said, "No, I don't want to play"? Uh, well, I mean, I guess because you have you have got to think of of those guys, yeah, haven't you, do. you? Absolutely. You know, we we should actually remember they are humans who have families, and you know, they're at, most of them are probably saying, "Listen, there's a bigger picture than football here." Quite frankly, um, so. I still, I would love to see a poll of all the footballers who are being, who are potentially going to be asked to go back and see, do you want to play yes or no? Because I still think Danny Rose is speaking for the majority. Okay, Carl. So if, if I throw something back to you, then should this be something that the PFA put in place and it's where you can say legally binding, but something that actually carries enough weight that if it is a majority, then the player power is enough to sort of say we're not doing it, or if we're not prepared to play. You step aside and we have to play academy kids, which then probably damages integrity. So should the PFA be pulling their weight a bit here? I would have thought if the P- the PFA are there for the players and, and if I was a member of that board and I wasn't happy with playing, I would be going to them saying, well, hold on a minute. You haven't actually asked me if I want to go and play yet. It's all well and good saying we want to play behind closed doors and we're going to do this and that. But you haven't actually asked me if I want to do this or if I have a choice in this at all and I would be sitting there saying as my you know my member or my representative I think you should be pushing that the players get heard and and do the players want to actually go back and play because right now I don't think any player potentially I mean obviously Danny's done it but I reckon there are lots of players who probably don't want to but don't want to be seen to be coming out and actually saying well I don't really want to play because the perception of the public is that well hold on you know, we forget these guys are human sometimes. And it's like, well, hold on, you get paid lots of money, so you'll go and do whatever you should be told to go and do. And actually, like, yeah, but hold on, someone like Harry Kane has got children, he's got family, and actually, is he? does he love football that much that he wants to go and put himself at risk of going and playing a game and sweating all over um, some big lump from Southampton? <laughs> we're, we'll throw them in again. <laughs> <laughs> a very easy dig. I'm only joking, but but it's a very trick. You know, if I was part of the PFA and I didn't want to play, I would be pushing them to say, "No one's actually asking us here if we want to actually go back." Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic point, and it makes incredible sense when you sort of think about it. Because ultimately, chairmen aren't going to be playing the matches; they need their cohorts to go and do it for them, don't they? So, it's a case of do. You- put your head above the parapet like Danny Rose and take potential flack, although I don't think that's really happened, but take the sort of risk that might come with any kind of backlash. 
But then if there's people who go public and then say, I don't want to play and don't play, then there's no hiding from the situation and then that damages their reputation and their standing within a club and so on and so forth. So it's a really sort of delicate one, really. And I think there has to be some sort of poll. But again, it's like how much weight does that have when there's so much money sloshing about? So I think maybe if we get to sort of next week and more and more voices become apparent, then it might just sort of start to shift things the other way. But Drew, another thing that could shift it the other way, further away from Project Restart is Brighton and the fact that they've now had three players test positive for coronavirus. So if we're talking about making a case, this adds more fuel to Project back in the box. <laughs> yeah, that's a good name for it. No, I, yeah, I think that's a legitimate concern. Um, and, and not just with Brighton, with any club, right? And we've, we've seen it in Germany and I think we might get there a little bit later. But yeah, this is a concern. And I think this is something also that, you know, the Premier League, I would hope, uh, accounted for in planning Project Restart was that, yeah, there was going to be some players or even staff members that came down with the coronavirus, and it happens to be at Brighton right now. And I think it does threaten Project Restart coming back. I don't think it should. Um, and, you know, there's there's risk in everything, right? Everything we do, if it's driving a car, if it's, you know, Andre Gomez almost had his career you know, ruined a few months ago when he got tackled, you know, and just, it, it was an accident. It was a freak accident that happened. Um, and when he had his leg broken. So, you know, there's risk in everything here. But when you look at the coronavirus, most of the data points to not a very high risk, especially for younger, healthier people like Premier League players. And so, you know, again, it's it's terrible that anyone's getting this. And I, and I hope all of the people at Brighton and and, and everywhere else are okay. I, I truly do. But when you look at it, it's not really that big of a, uh, it, it, it's not as prevalent as people think, or, well, actually, let me say that the other way. It's way more prevalent than people think in, in, in that so many people are getting the coronavirus, but yet they're still like surviving it and not that much is happening. And so I think this is going to threaten Premier League restart, but I don't think it should. I think maybe those one or two people or three people now uh, we'll probably have to get isolated, and I hope it stays at that. I don't think the whole team needs to go into isolation. I don't think all of the project needs to be shelved or anything like that because, again, most people who get it are coming out okay, right? It's obviously terrible. I don't want anything bad to happen to people. But at Brighton, I mean, how many players have, have gotten sick and been fine? Or not just players, but Mikel Arteta, Callum Hudson-Odoi, right? So we can point to individual stories of people and players and staff members getting sick and then, you know, hopefully not much worse. But we can also point to plenty of examples of, you know, almost nothing happening. I mean, there's plenty of basketball players here when it first broke out in the U.S. who had no idea and were like, yeah, I could have played a game today. So, you know, I understand the concern. And like I said, I think the Brighton uh, cases do threaten Premier, uh, Project Restart, but I don't think it needs to. I think the saving grace of Brighton and the players that have tested positive is the timing. Had it been, you know, Project Restart's been pressed green and then this happens, you think, oh no, this is the last thing we need. So the fact we're still in these tense, fraught discussions, it's sort of a, it's a bit of a nasty byproduct, but it shouldn't derail it too much. Of course, Carl, when we're talking about players testing positive, it's not good news coming out of Germany. A second tier, Dinamo Dresden, have been swept by the virus in the past few days. Now, that in itself won't halt the Bundesliga restart. It's only sort of one team. It's still one team too many. But it goes to show that this concept of a restart, wherever it is, certainly won't be easy. No, definitely not, Dan. Because like I say, you've only, you know, it, you've only got to have one person suddenly um, be tested positive And that whole club is basically, you know, blackballed, aren't they? And like, right, that's it. You guys have got to go off and that. So as you say, can you imagine what, what's going to happen if, say, Project Restart gets underway and after the first week of matches, suddenly um, Harry Kane tests positive and now all of a sudden all the Spurs squad have got to go into quarantine, can't play no matches. What are we then going to do at that point? Because in my opinion, that stumps everything then. Because the minute that happens to one team and now they can't fulfil their fixtures, well... Fast number two kicks off, doesn't it? Because, okay, well, what do we do now about Spurs? How do we assign their points? And, like, as you say, I think the minute one club goes down, I don't see how you can restart because you can't have one team not taking play part in those games. Um, 
it, I just don't see how that's possible. You know, once one team goes down, I think that's it because it just throws it all into chaos again. Because what do you do with that one team? What do you do with their matches? When? How long do you wait before you finish that off? Um, it, it's just it will cause a major problem if this happens. And I can see the minute that it happens to one team. Everyone else goes, no, nah, that's it. We're, we're not in for this. We're not, we don't, we don't want to do this anymore. Um, then, you know, what do you do then? How, how do you get past that? I can't see how you can. You can't then suddenly turn around to say to Tottenham, well, actually now for the rest of the games during this lockdown period or, you know, quarantine period, you have to play your youth side. Well, again, that, well, that's not going to fare, is it? That's not going to fly. The club are not going to accept that. Um, the other teams won't accept it because if Spurs are due to play Aston Villa and you're a team fighting Aston Villa for relegation, you're not going to want the Spurs youth side going out and playing where they're probably going to end up getting a thump in and Villa get a guaranteed three points. So I, I think if we get this underway and one team go down, I think that kills it and yeah. that puts an end to the whole thing. I couldn't agree more. You're absolutely spot on. The one thing the Premier League can't afford is something where it takes it off the train tracks and it's derailed and there's another crisis. Because I think at that point, the whole appetite of getting the season done, I think across the board, no matter where you are, they'll just think, sod it, I can't be dealing with this anymore. Just look ahead to the next season because you can't then go, right, we've got to fold for two weeks and then there might be another case somewhere else. And it's just, you're chasing someone's tail. I just think it'll be a nightmare. So the Premier League, obviously, they're all planning a restart. But there's this big if, a massive cloud, if you will, hanging over its head. And it's like, we need to get this done unbroken because we're still you know, up against it in time anyway. That another delay and you just think, well, what is the point? But, Drew, Germany, they are actually going to finally restart at the weekend. And we should actually talk about the league. You know, we're talking about so many ifs and buts everywhere across Europe over the past sort of few weeks. It's nice to actually talk about what might happen on the pitch. So we won't go game by game or anything like that, but let's sort of talk about the general title race. There is one to conclude. Bayern at the moment are four points clear of Dortmund. And after a season of managerial upheaval, Nico Kovac was sacked in October and brought in an interim. He's done a fantastic job. Question is, can Bayern be caught? I think right now you have to bet on them as the favourites. And mainly I think the reason is because there is no way to possibly determine Who's going to come back right now after a few months off in form? There's no way I think you can connect what was happening a couple months ago to how uh, what's going to happen this weekend. So because of that, I think if you're betting, you kind of have to default to Bayern. I'm I'm not someone who who you know hates arist- the aristocracy when it comes to to football clubs. So I don't have a problem with with Bayern Munich winning again or or being the favorite or anything like that. Um, me personally, I'm not rooting for them. I, I'm not a Bayern fan. And uh, even in Germany, if there was a club that I supported, it, it wouldn't be Bayern. Um, but I think right now you kind of have to look at them. I think it's a very tight race at the top. Or not, I think it is a tight race uh, between Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig right now, and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach in the top four. And I think this is going to be exciting, right? You know, the Bundesliga is known for being kind of like the Premier League, a lot more fast-paced, uh, more goals probably less defensive-minded uh, than than the Premier League even. And so I'm really excited for this, especially with that really being the only major league coming back so far. So I'm definitely going to be watching. Um, just to give my personal opinion, I'm rooting for RB Leipzig. I hope they come back and, of course, any other American in the uh, Bundesliga. But I think this is going to be great. I think the weirdest thing is definitely Schalke Dortmund the huge derby taking place behind closed doors. I would imagine, I, I haven't looked this up, I would imagine this is the first time that they have ever played without fans. And so I think that's probably going to be kind of uh, an eerie feeling. But I think everybody should be paying attention to this. And I think if you're a Premier League fan, there is definitely a club in Germany that's similar that you can kind of latch on to, whether it's for the time being or, you know, forever, so to speak, in perpetuity. Um, so I think everybody should be paying attention to this. I definitely will be. And I think these last uh, nine games or so that they have are going to be absolutely high-flying and phenomenal. I cannot wait for this. I am very excited. And again, I'm going for Leipzig. And for anybody listening, hopefully you guys will be too. Right, we've got something on board here. So Drew is nailing his Leipzig colours to the mask. I'm going to go for Bayer Leverkusen because I watched them in March there. So I feel a little bit of... <laughs> connection bit of loyalty 
Cole, who are you going to pick in our Bundesliga picks in terms of fandom? What's your team? I think for us, um, for me, it's the colours and also the fact that we've had quite a bit of recent history with them is Dortmund. Good show. Yellow and black, you can't beat a bit of that. But also, we've had some cracking games against them at the moment. So, I, I kind of have a little bit of a soft spot for Dortmund um, and hope that they can potentially pull it through. Um, and yeah, that, that would be my pick. Okay, then a little bit of homework each week. If we focus on our, our adopted teams, it just gives us something to talk about each each week, if that's all right. So, it doesn't have to be war and peace, but if, obviously a Dortmund bit, a Leipzig bit, a Leverkusen bit, just keeps the, the wheels motioned. Uh, for the show. So it just gives us a bit of German interest on Das Fussballcast. But talking of uh, Dortmund, <laughs> Carl, I was actually going to ask a question because obviously they're always a side that looks like it's going to evolve. And certainly with the couple of players they've got now, it looks really exciting. Certainly if they can keep hold of Sancho and Haaland. And in terms of the latter, you do wonder how close the title change would be. Maybe even Dortmund could be top at this point if the Norwegian was at the club at the start of the campaign because he's showing already in what, just a few months, it's been absolutely outrageous. Yeah, I mean, it, he has burst on the scene, hasn't he? And, and even there, you know, the minute he signed for Dortmund, the goals he's already scored, um, as you say, you kind of wonder if they'd had him a little bit earlier in their campaign, that they possibly would like to think themselves as right up there and possibly could have pulled away slightly. So he's a great player, as you say. Sancho's really good. Um, you've got Royce, who obviously has always, you know, been a brilliant player. Um, they they're always one of those sides, aren't they? They kind of can just they can get within touching distance, but then they're in a league where suddenly they will always have their cream of the crop just picked off them by either a big European side or Dortmund will come in and say, "Listen, yeah, you've done okay with Dortmund, but listen, you, time to come and join us now, the real power, and you're guaranteed to win everything possibly that you can." Uh, and they've always just struggled with that, haven't they? they? They've had a little good spell under Klopp, um, but again, they still lose their best players time and again. And there is that view, isn't there, that Haaland possibly could only be there even till just the end of the season, and then suddenly get a move to a bigger side. And given the way he started off there, you certainly wouldn't be surprised if big clubs around Europe were already eyeing him up and thinking about trying to make a move in the summer and tempt him away. The same with Jordan Sancho. You know, I'm sure there are big clubs in England wanting to bring him home. There'd be big clubs, you know, Barcelona and Madrid's will obviously have a keen interest. And again, Bayern may look and go, well, you know, maybe we can prize him away. So, I think there's always that fear at Dortmund that while you've got those sort of players, you need to make the most of it and win something because the chances are you won't hang on to them for longer than a couple of seasons. But I tell you, Haaland looks a real player. And that goal in the Champions League where, you know, you get that noise at the net oh, almost I love, busting. I love that noise. I mean, that is just, you could play that on record all day, couldn't you? you know, there's nothing better than a ping of a net and that going off like that. So I, I tell you now, if they'd had him earlier... I think they possibly could win this title, definitely. Right. Well, if I can, just real quick, yeah, that yeah, cracking please. goal from Holland was assisted by 17-year-old American Giovanni Reina. Just go. wanted to throw that out there. The Americans are taking over the Bundesliga. And we'll be taking over the Bundesliga coverage from next week. So we will chat about that next week and the weeks beyond because it's you know something to talk about. So I guess a very quick question in regards to that. It is back. How many matches do you reckon you'll watch available this weekend? Drew, I'll start with you. Logically, realistically, what do you reckon you'll do? I mean, I'm going to try and, and watch as many as I can. I, my preference is I would like to watch one in each of the uh, the television windows. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's what I do with the Premier League, and the Premier League's not on right now anyways. So, yeah, I mean, my plan is I'm going to be watching this as if we were doing Das Fußballcast. I, like I mean, it. honestly, because myself and I think a lot of people are really starved for live sports, but but in particular football. And so that's why I think so many people – I think this is a perfect opportunity for the Bundesliga to really project themselves onto the world stage. And I, and I know in Europe they have a ton of respect, but outside of Europe, you know, they, they don't get as much as the Premier League does, right? The Premier League overshadows everything else around the world, but especially here in America – um, I think the fact that there are a lot of U.S. players kind of helps the Bundesliga cause. But I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to really show the world how exciting, how fast-paced they can be. I mean, take Dortmund. As as Carl was just talking about, Erling Haaland, 
Jaden Sancho. I mean, these are arguably two of the most exciting young players in the world. And they're playing on the same team, and they're playing for a team that does not care about defending and says, you know what, we're going to punch you in the mouth hopefully five times every 90 minutes. And that's what they try and do. And I think this is fantastic. I think fans are really going to love this. And I hope there are a ton of goals. And I hope that this kind of, uh, I hope the Bundesliga takes advantage of this to show the world, look, we are, and not not saying this is my opinion, but I'm hoping that they're saying this, we are the second best league in the world, if not the best. And everyone should be watching us and seeing what goes on here in Germany because it is that fantastic. I hope that happens. And like I said, I'll be watching with a keen eye, uh, Leipzig in particular, but all the other Americans as well. And I can't wait for this. I'm going to watch as much as I can. Yeah, I'm excited about this weekend. I know it's football just sort of back, but it just feels like it's a good league to sort of grip your, your teeth into. So... I'm not one of these people that tries to watch three matches at once with multiple screens. I can't be dealing with that. But I think if there's a slot, I'm having it. So I think three, maybe four matches will be my tally for the weekend. Cole, what do you reckon you'll do? I think I'll probably be like most fans where I'll probably try to watch the bigger names um, and, and like the big fixtures if there's any. But I, I wouldn't say I'd be suddenly keen to go and watch two of the lower league sides in the Bundesliga. So I'll definitely have my eye on watching kind of like the big sides and say Dortmund, Bayern, because I think one of the great things we've got here is not very often you get to watch much football from, say, another country in depth. You know, because there's so much Premier League football going on and football at home, you kind of get the majority of your time taken up with your sides you're looking out for there. So when people mention these players like Jordan Sancho in that, we've seen him, we've seen his quality, but you don't get to watch a 90 minutes that often of him and you know, see his all-round game. So I think there'll be a lot of people who want to watch these big players and actually say, well, I can actually really focus on this now and get to watch these guys and say, Let's see just you know something that isn't just a YouTube compilation of his best bits. Let's see what I actually think he plays like for a full 90. So I'm really looking forward to that. So I'll try and get in at least, I say, three or four games maybe this weekend. Good man. Yeah, you're right, though. It's just good to sort of see it from a different perspective and not just sort of surface talking, you know, looking at stats and saying, oh, Sancho's got eight goals, X, Y, Z. Do you know what I mean? It's just actually nice to see what he does within 90 minutes and how he controls play. Just that little sort of extra element. So I think, yeah, it's a great league to to get excited about. It's nice and depth. It's just looking at it from a different angle. It's just good to have something back. Although, their thunder was slightly stolen by the uh, the K-League last week. And I'm sort of come from the also same conclusion as Drew that although it won't ever get on the same kind of scale as the Bundesliga, it is a perfect shining light for leagues such as this that are ahead of the curve to sort of show off their global wares. Now, to be honest, the product, and that's always a dirty word, wasn't great on Friday lunchtime, the first game of the season. Although what helped the spectacle, and I didn't think it was going to help at first, was piped in cheers. Now, after a couple of minutes, you start to adjust and you sort of think, well, actually, this isn't too bad. Obviously, the stadiums are empty, but it felt not as alien as you'd first think. So, Drew, I know you watched a bit of K-League. What was it from your standpoint? Yeah, it's a little bit weird because, I mean, obviously you can see that there's nobody actually there. And so it's kind of weird to hear the sounds. But I'm with you. I think it's surprisingly kind of made it feel a little bit more normal. I don't know how many other leagues are, are going to be doing this because I, I've, I could be wrong, but I feel like a lot of people are going to push back at this, um, calling it artificial and things like that. And plus, I mean, like I said, I mean, I think like even if you score a goal, right, late on, it, it's a winner or something. Yes, you have the sound, but you don't, you can't look up into the stands and actually see people fist pumping, cheering, smiling, screaming, maybe angrily, I guess, if, if it's the opponent's uh, supporters. But um, I, I think it can help mainly the people who are watching at home. I think it's a, it's a little bit strange so far, but I think like with a lot of things, it's strange at first. And honestly, you're probably going to get used to it to where if you watch it two, three, four times – Kind of like how you mentioned, you, you get used to it and you don't even really notice that it's happening anymore. So I think it's an interesting idea. I like that the K-League is trying this and say, you know what? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, no problem. But we're going to try and see what we can do to make this as uh, digestible and as palatable as possible. And so I like that they are trying different things. And I hope that other leagues will try that or maybe try some other um, 
possibilities as well until they can find something that kind of universally fits and, and makes people enjoy it and kind of helps them um, uh, take in the experience as much as they could as if it were back to normal. So I like the idea behind this. And like I said, I hope some other leagues try this or maybe some other things to uh, see what works best. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm on board. I wasn't at first. I read about it. I thought, that's ghastly. I don't even want to know. And then I watched it. And I thought, actually, yeah, you sort of just forget. Like, obviously, you are looking at a very empty building, but you are just watching the football. And it's just background noise. You know, it could be worse. It could be that Vuvuzela from South Africa in 2010. It's not that, that bad. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um... we, we, we need to get a club who really take this on board and, you know, get some referee abuse songs oh, going. Oh, yeah, I so like it. The referee's a wanker. Yeah, yeah exactly. if it's a Spurs-Chelsea game, you know, can we get some abuse? You know, Spurs will play some anti-Chelsea songs. Over <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's a great idea. A with this, exactly, they? yeah, I mean... If we sort of jest, but there must be some sort of algorithm that can do that, where you just pump in like a sample of 50s chants and it just reacts to, I don't know, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I don't think it's too alien. I mean, it could, it could happen, but um, Cole, are you in favour of piped in charts? Can you see it in the Premier League or the Bundesliga this weekend? I don't think they'll do it in those leagues just yet, but like as you say, I'd like to see a game with it to see to see how it feels. I think, like as Drew said, I think it's one of them things that probably after a while you'd get used to and suddenly you're not really even paying attention to it anymore. The only thing I'm really looking forward to with actually, with you know, if you're going to have a behind-closed-doors game, is actually listen to the players. You know, it's one of the things that obviously you don't normally get to hear when you're watching a normal game on telly. But the way the players are communicating with one another, you know, I think that's something that a lot of fans would actually really enjoy listening to because the amount of talking that there must be done on the pitch must be amazing that we don't, you know, we don't get to hear, we don't, we miss out on, you know, you're hearing people like Ian Wright talk on Match of the Day saying about how, you know, he'd be in the defender's ear constantly giving him a bit of jip and trying to wind him up. And I'd really look forward to hearing some of that sort of stuff and the banter that goes on in a game. Yeah, because you, obviously you see sort of players, they do that annoying thing, they mask themselves, don't they? And they sort of, you know, have a conversation. You think, well, what, you know, what are they going on about? So if you could t- peel back the curtain a bit, it would be fantastic. Whether they'd allow you that kind of access, though, I don't know. And it might sort of go, well, actually, maybe it's easy to pipe things in. But it's a very good point, Carl, and I'd like to see it myself. Right, I was going to talk about Dutch football and the lack of fans and a vaccine, but I haven't really got time because I want to talk about something a bit more important. So I'll sort of answer my own question in the sense that the Dutch government have said that the, um, there's going to be no fans or mass attendances anywhere in the country until a vaccine is found. Now, they haven't found a vaccine for SARS in, what, 18 years or some ludicrous thing like that. So, you know, you might have to find a vaccine at some point or you might have to sort of go, I don't know, 12, 18 months down the line and say, well, this enforced edict might have to be lessened a bit and we just have to sort of live with it so it doesn't bode well at the moment for Dutch fans but of course we all want a vaccine further down the line but anyway enough about that because I want to talk about the transfer market now Cole eventually it will be open for business but it's not going to be business as usual as we know it yeah I really think we're going to it's going to start off really slowly isn't it and I don't think you'll be seeing any immediate kind of like 200 million pound transfers going through. I think what you're going to possibly see might be a lot of swap deals, um, a lot of free, free moves. Um, and, you know, you might be getting, say, some, you know, maybe what, 20, 25 million pound moves. But that would be it. Um, I think one of the, you know, there's lots of issues here around transfers, isn't there? You know, when you consider, you know, the financial climate we're in and people being furloughed and that, I don't think the public would kind of take too nicely to suddenly these big clubs splashing out to 200 million pounds for a player, you know, 80 million pound when, you know, lots of people are being seen that could possibly be in a financial dire situation. So I think a lot of those clubs are going to be aware of that. Um, you might be finding behind the scenes they're being told, listen, you know, we may have to put a little little block on this right now. And also that money won't be there, I don't think. You know, lots of clubs won't have that kind of finance to go out and do it. So this is going to be real interesting to see where we come out. But I don't see many big, big deals being done uh, and teams not drastically changing too much other than free transfers or the odd swap deal that might go on here and there. Yeah, you mentioned swap deals. It was a question I was going to ask Drew. So, Drew, obviously, with you being stateside, you're fully aware of trades that happen in US sports. It's not something we really see in um, 
in football in general, really. I don't know why. It's always, I guess, a, a difficult um, thing to sort of match up a player value to another. But are people going to have to think a little bit side out, outside the box now and start to match player values and switching teams? Yeah, well, I, so I think the reason that it happens in American sports that we have trades is because, you know, it's a single entity structure where the the league essentially owns all the players or, or not owns them as people, obviously, but as players to where they can just send you wherever you want uh, or wherever they want. And you kind of have no say where in football uh, in Europe, right, because MLS, you can do trades, but football in Europe and most of the world, you don't have that. I mean, I think a perfect example was. Uh, last summer with Neymar, when Barcelona was trying to get him from PSG, you know, they offered, what, 10, 12 different permutations of players uh, plus cash. But once one player says no, because they have that ability, then the entire deal fa falls apart. And so I think that's why it's much more complicated to get a swap deal done, because all it takes is one person to stop it. And the clubs or the league don't really have control over it. I think you are going to see some swap deals happening don't get me wrong but i think kind of like carl mentioned there's really not going to be a lot of money for this and so i think for a lot of teams yes they want new players but think about this if you're a selling club and let's let's pick our favorite whipping boys southampton yeah, right okay <laughs> how many players have they sold to liverpool you know they didn't want liverpool players they wanted the money so that they can go buy a player from the bundesliga or go buy a player from from austria or something like that so you know, swaps may happen, but actually for a lot of the clubs that are selling, I don't think they want to swap. They actually want the money from the buying club, right? Take Would Southampton have wanted when – they, when they sold Virgil van Dijk to Liverpool, did they want Dejan Lovren and Joel Matip? No, they obviously just wanted the 75 million pounds so they can go and get whoever it is that they wanted. So that's why I think you kind of have a mismatch of what each party wants out of these deals – and so that's why I don't know how many swaps are really going to happen unless it's kind of like the big clubs, right? Maybe Arsenal will swap Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for, you know, Timo Werner in, uh, at Leipzig or something like that, right? You, you know, bigger clubs and bigger players you might swap. But if it's a smaller club and a bigger club trying to make a deal, I just don't see it happening because I don't think the parties are really going to get what they want in a swap deal. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to player value, it's so arbitrary. Like, you see figures banned about. I mean, you have to you have to remember that player's value is only what is agreed between the selling club and the buying club. Anything else is either conjecture or tabloid-fueled gossip. Now, Cole, when you look at the market, it's been absolutely decimated. So, someone like Harry Kane could have commanded easily 150 million. Injury, doubt or not. Do you know what I mean? That's probably your benchmark. Even now, at 120 million... As you've sort of alluded to, you can't see anyone finding 120 million down the sofa this summer, can you? No, not at all. I mean, I, I don't think you'll see any big deals like that happening um, when when we go back, or even you know, in, in the so-called summer transfer window. It, it's just not going to be viable. You know, the clubs are not going to have the money, um, and, and and then also you've got yeah, I, I, it just won't happen. There, as you say the appetite won't be there and, and the money won't be there to do those deals. So I think you look at, I say, in my opinion, you might be looking at deals taking place around the 25, 30 mil mark. But once you start going above that, no one's going to have that sort of finance available. Um, so I don't see any spectacular deals in the summer where you're going, wow, X and Y, Z, you know, Mbappé's moved to Madrid or something like that in a £300 million bizarre deal. Um, so I think it's going to be a quiet summer where there won't be these sort of signings going off that get people off the off their sofas and, and get the excitement building. There'll just be some small deals going around for players that you go, well, yeah, okay, 30 mil, not not drastic, but doesn't set the world alight. Okay, and if I could, if I could just say one more thing real yep, quick, sure. yep. I think this is another reason that a lot of players probably should want to come back. A couple of things that Carl has alluded to, you know, without the money and, and maybe not some big name transfers is I know Jaden Sancho is not playing in the Premier League right now, but take him. If Dortmund is unwilling to, you know, cut their asking price, well, now he has to stay there. He's not getting the big money move back home because there's not teams with money. Uh, He's not going to be able to increase his wages because he never got 
uh, a transfer to a Premier League club, which, you know, so I think for a lot of players, maybe Danny Rose and Sergio Aguero, you know, aren't looking for their next deal, so they don't need to come back and play. But without playing, you know, clubs aren't making money and they can't go out and buy players. Take Harry Kane. You know, let's say, and, and I don't think this would happen, let's say he wanted to go to Manchester United for 200 million pounds. Well, that's definitely not going to happen now. And so, you know, I think a lot of players, if they are saying, oh, I don't want to play, well, they might actually be hurting themselves when it comes to the wallet because no team's going to be able to afford them and they're not going to get that increase in wages from a new salary. So I, I think there's actually a lot of benefits to players as well coming back to play. Like I said, maybe not Aguero or, or Danny Rose because Danny Rose doesn't have very many suitors right now. There's a reason he went to Newcastle. Um, but I think players are actually going to be missing out on big deals and, and increases in wages if they don't come back to the longer that they don't come back to play because the clubs just simply won't have the money. Yeah, it's funny you should mention Harry Kane because I've just thought of a really good talking point that we've probably got about a minute or two left to discuss. So quickly, Carl, Harry Kane is sort of not intimately wants to leave, but there was that discussion of if my ambition wasn't met, et cetera, et cetera. Now, with the stock market, sorry, with the transfer market being absolutely decimated, who's to say what his value really is? Let's say 100, under 100 million, 80 million at best. Would you see him agitating for a move still? Does this play into Tottenham's hands more? Or does Daniel Levy now have to sell him at even cheaper and cry tears into the balance sheet knowing that his player's value has probably halved, if not more? I think for, for now, if you sat there and said, without this, this summer, where does Harry Kane stand? I could sit there and see if Spurs miss out on Champions League, I could see Harry Kane possibly getting itchy feet and starting to go, well, actually, hold on, maybe now's the time to go. And clubs would have the money to kind of come in and get him. I think this plays into Tottenham's hands now because the fact the money won't be there, I can now see the reality of like, well, listen, you need to sit tight. Now's not the time to make a jump because you might now need to give it just one more year and see where the landscape lies at the end of the next season. Age is on his side, you know. It's, you know, he's not reaching. You know, he's not close to his thirties, so he can now. You know, one more year, I don't think you know detracts too much from his value, especially if he goes and has a brilliant season. You know, if he can stay injury free and you know get to close to the thirty goals again, I still think the appetite and his value would be there um, for all parties. So I think this plays for Spurs, and I think Spurs possibly could find themselves getting out of jail slightly here in the fact that if they miss out on Champions League football, then I still just think, given the current climate, I think Kane stays and doesn't move because there, there's too much doubt and too much uncertainty with what's happening. Um, so I think, you know, it could be that we've kind of, you know, fallen on our feet in that sense. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Couldn't agree more. I think we've, our hand as a club has been pretty much strengthened. And I'd be very, very surprised if Harry Kane moved this summer or whenever the off season is. I think if you like I say if you have a good season and the market starts to find its feet again, then that value could be restored slightly. But I'd really be very surprised if he left in such a depressed market. Anyway, that is about it for the show. I think we've sort of almost run over time. Not that it really matters. No we haven't, it's fine. Um so I just need to do the admin, which is as usual, thank my co host. Drew, absolute pleasure as always. Good luck with Leipzig at the weekend. Yes, absolutely. I'll be rooting for Leipzig. Thank you for having me on, Dan. And it's great talking with you and Carl as well. Love doing this every single Tuesday. And I'm glad that finally we have some real football to talk about as opposed to hypotheticals that are weeks out. So I couldn't be happier. Glad to do it and can't wait for the next one. Yeah, pleasure as always. We'll get there eventually. And Carl, you'll be watching the Ruhr derby between Dortmund and Schalke. I shall be in the yellow wall, Dan. Yeah, um, you know, I shall. I, I shall get a yellow shirt on, and I shall have a big, big jug of beer beside me. I shall have a hot dog on the go, and I'll be fully invested. And three points are coming in the bag. Wunderbar. Right on that note, it just leaves, <laughs> <laughs> just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Real Football Cast, and until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.